There is no 2020 conversation happening in politics. I mean, 2020, if we look at, I think, 1910 headlines or something like that, or 1900 headlines, it seems to me that we are going backwards in time in the types of issues that we are we are still fighting about, rather than talking about, you know, cybersecurity. But nobody's talking about the fact that quantum is coming out in full force in a few years, and that's going to break encryption as we have today. And we need to move to different standards and everybody needs to do that. Governments need to do that. Banks need to do that. Are they? We don't know. Is anybody taking this seriously? And so we don't have these conversations happening. Instead, we are sitting and talking about rights that were established 50 years ago and 100 years ago, right? We're not talking about what's going to happen 10 years from now. Welcome to Neurons to Nirvana, a platform for creative forces that embrace the unconventional and the quest for artistry, humanity, innovation, health, and healing of the mind and soul. Join me, Tom Hartridge, on a journey celebrating experiences unbound by physical borders or traditional norms. From inside the mind to the far reaches of the universe, this is Neurons to Nirvana. When people reach out with their voice, it makes a real connection. Neurons to Nirvana podcast is a great way to capture a conversation between the guests and myself. But today's guest offers a digital platform to bring people together through conversation across the globe. Suda KV is the co-founder of the social media platform Swell. Swell is a voice-to-voice platform that provides a place for discussions and to connect with people. It's that simple. Our podcast recording is being done in part as a crossover between Swell and Neurons to Nirvana podcast. If you're hearing this intro on Swell, click on the link in my profile for the full podcast episode. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, please consider downloading the Swell app and joining for an easy way to make real connections through a digital platform. I'm on the platform as at Tom Hartridge, one word, and I'd love to have a chance to hear your thoughts on this episode in the podcast overall. This episode talks about the unique approach to social media that Swell provides, technology advancements and innovations, and Suda's excellent story of respect and capability that fuels her entrepreneurial leadership style. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited to introduce you to Suda. Hey Suda, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Good, Tom. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, I was excited to talk to you because I was interviewed by Deborah from your company, who's uh, VP of, I think, Voices. What's her exact title? VP of Voices and Growth. Voices and Growth. And I had a wonderful time speaking with her and being interviewed with her. And I'd consider her a friend and I've just now become familiar with the app and I actually see a tremendous amount of value where it has its own niche in regards to uh, social media and how we can communicate with the world. For instance, on my own, my first swell that I, I announced, it was on my father's anniversary when he passed away of cancer exactly eight years ago and a week but also uh, the very tragic news that I found out that my friend and therapist had passed away, Eric Volper. 
And the reason why I loved it and why it was so profound to me is I announced just how shell-shocked I was. And then to have people come back, including Deborah, whom Deborah was the only person that I knew, but they, the messages that they sent and the condolences, it was very heartfelt. I mean, it brought me to tears. And it actually helped me in a way with the grieving process. I mean, this was only about less than two weeks ago. I'm really sorry uh, to hear about your uh, therapist's loss, Tom. And this is something that I have found is remarkable about Swell, right? When people reach out to you with their voice, there's a real connection. I don't know if this is true for everybody who's of a certain age, but, you know, I find it difficult to connect with people, make friends in reality, because we all have such busy lives that we have lost connections. We have lost friendships. There are a few, very few people we still remain connected with. But with Swell, I have just made so many more connections with people because when we talk to them, we really connect in a very, you know, basic human level. And I don't know how to say this. You have to experience it for yourself. But the connection is so uh, authentic and so true. And I find that that's so heartwarming. It's it's the only platform I use. Of course, I'm biased, but it's the only platform I, I use nowadays because I don't find true connection anywhere else, anywhere else, including, you know, I have so many of my family groups and WhatsApp and whatnot, but I just find it's just a whole bunch of forwards. Nobody's really talking to one another, communicating, saying, hey, this is what is going on in my life or what do you think about this? It's just a whole bunch of messaging that's going on and on and on and on. And there's no real connection. And I have just tuned out of everything else. So thank you for finding Swell and thank you for sharing your experience. Because I think as humans, what I have realized is the way we form societies. If you look at how societies were formed over millions of years or hundreds of thousands of years, it's by people coming together and interacting with one another and talking to one another, right? We didn't, we didn't write, you know, short text and we didn't send pics of ourselves. We stood face to face and we spoke and we connected and we decided we would band together and live together and societies evolved that way, right? And I think that's what we're trying to bring back into how we have to operate even in a digital world. We have to be able to talk to one another because that's what really brings us close. Absolutely. For instance, when you use other forms of social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, and so forth, your words can be misconstrued. You can't pick up on the tone or if somebody's being uh, sarcastic, tongue-in-cheek per se, or if they're being serious or you may think that they're being rude or angry when maybe they might be sincere. And so things get blown out of proportion rather easily, in my opinion. Yes. Look, in the world of pictures, I think you're under a lot of stress to make yourself look good. And then in the world of short text, I think the entire mess intent is completely lost, right? The, the, as, you, as you said, it's the tone, it's the intent. All of that is just lost. And then people take from that text whatever it is that they want to take and it's misunderstood at least half the time, right? So I think both those forms of communication really don't help communicate the true intent, don't help bring people together. That's at least been what the world is, you know, uh, experiencing 
if you look at what's really happening out there. Yes. And you and your husband, you came up as well, right? Correct? So we had actually sold our previous company. We were enterprise software developers, all right? This was the time of great social media, what shall I say, upheaval, right? People were getting extremely polarized. And uh, at, at that time, I was very much into natural health and wellness. And I wanted to start a place for people to bring people together to talk about, you know, physical health, mental health, just talk about wellness and create a place for wellness. And uh, as we were talking about it, we also were talking about, you know, what social media is doing to people out there. And we have two very young children. And we said, you know, this is a world in which our children are going to grow up in. And they're going to, my, my son was preteen at that time. In another couple of years, you know, he's going to enter that fabric of people who are, you know, glued to their mobile phones. And yeah. I don't know how it's going to affect him, what it's going to do to his sense of self-worth. What what should I as a mom, you know, be prepared for? And I said, why, why is it that we don't have a better place and a better way to bring people together? And that's when it really hit me that we don't talk to each other. We really don't talk to each other in any of these places. We just, you know, it's, it's like, message bombarding, right? We're just putting out something that made sense to us and that's it. Like we're not really communicating. We're not having a dialogue. And that's when I said, hey, you know, in the spirit of not just wellness, but in the spirit of solving this problem, I think we need to create a place where people can just come in and talk to each other, whatever may be their point of view, and they will hopefully find common ground they may agree to disagree, but at least it will be a conversation between two people. And when two people actually talk to each other, even if you're on different sides of the conversation, you will at least agree to disagree and part ways amicably, right, for the most part. And I think that's what we wanted to create, like bring people together, let them talk to each other. And it's been fascinating. It's really been wonderful for us to see the kind of conversations, the kind of connections that are happening on Swell. They're phenomenal. Right now, I have friends from, you know, places I, I wouldn't have imagined, right? Like like interior Europe and Australia and stuff like that. Like people I talk to on a on a, a regular basis. And I couldn't have imagined that happening in any other medium and actually forming friends and actually getting to know them and they getting to know me and having a conversation. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. And you and your husband, you... You launched this back when? Last year at South by 2021? How long ago? We had beta versions out. It's been about a couple of years. We've okay. had beta versions out. But finally, once we got all the feedback from our beta, the actual release was last year at South by. And then we did a UX upgrade because there was a lot of feedback on the UX, uh, the previous version's UX. So we did a complete UX upgrade this year. So that came out. So the version that you have right now is uh, something that we released in early Feb of this year. So just before this year, South by actually. And since the launch, have you seen Swell growing rather steadily? Yes. After this UX launch that we started, much of our marketing efforts, the, the actual marketing dollars that went behind the growth of this, and we're seeing excellent traction right now. So we are... Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, right. And what about how many languages can you use Swell in currently? I believe we put in some 154 languages, but 
the transcription. So you can speak in any language, right? There are about, I think, 150 plus languages to choose from to speak in. And I believe we covered all of the world's languages as far as we know, at least the, the major languages, right? Those that are recognized by the international standards body. But the copy itself on the app itself is currently only in English. It's not, so there are certain commands to use the app, right? Text you see on buttons and stuff like that. Those are only in English, but then you can speak in any language that you wish. And there are many, many swells uh, you will find in different languages. There are German speakers, there are Russian speakers, there are uh, Hindi speakers, Tamil speakers. I mean, there are quite a few out there. We recently had a huge Italian influx. So we don't know what they're saying. I, at least I don't know what they're saying, but if you are speaking in a particular language, we assume you're bringing your friends who know that language and you're not talking to each other. That's how it's been, right? People who communicate in certain languages have brought other people on board who speak that language and then they've had conversations on different topics. We've seen that emerge with Japanese, with German and so on. If I want to communicate with somebody per se in Japan, that person, he or she can easily just transcribe what I've dictated in a voice memo and then come back to me. Is, is that correct or no? No, you, you just go start a swell. In, so if you want, you can just start a swell in Japanese and you just tag it as Japanese and then the other person will see it. If he has Japanese as part of his languages, it'll automatically show up for him because he understands Japanese, right? So as long as you, when you're on board or you go into your preferences and you say, hey, these are the languages that I understand slash speak in, then automatically swells in those languages show up for you, right? So you can start a swell and tag it as Japanese speak. Your Japanese uh, friend is going to be able to see it, respond, and that's it. This is about somebody putting a thought out there and then somebody else responding, you know, at a time that is convenient for them. And they could be people from other parts of the world. So perhaps the time zone difference itself is something that, you know, is not meaningful to have real, real-time real conversations. And you don't have to worry about scheduling time. You don't have to worry about anything. Whenever somebody finds five minutes in their day that they're free, they will respond to you. I just think it's a beautiful thing because you can really pick up on a person's emotion by their voice. And you can't do that when you're reading something. I know that you all are doing something in regards to a podcast host like myself. You've started a channel for podcasters. Can you elaborate a little bit more about that? Yes. So what we have found is podcasters have loved using Swell for different purposes. So we went and asked our podcast users. We have quite a few podcasters. And we asked them, how have you liked Swell and what do you like about it? So we've heard... uh, various use cases emerge from them. One being, one of one podcaster said he likes to use it to flesh out ideas before he actually records his podcast, right? He actually first posts a swell just to, you know, A, throw it out there, gauge reaction, and perhaps hone on what emerges as the most useful point in everything he said, right? Based on what people are responding to. So he uses it as a, as a, a playground before he actually records his podcast, right? That was that was one person. The other person said he uses it to get reactions to a recorded podcast. So what he does is he goes, records his podcast, of course, which is a, and puts it out there. 
then has a link to it in his post on Swell. He gives an abridged version of it on Swell. And what he really likes to hear is feedback because in podcasts, you don't get feedback. You don't know what people think about what you said. So he uses Swell as a way to get feedback from users about what they thought about his entire you know, podcast, right? So we have found different podcasters find Swell extremely useful in their podcasting world to use it as a place to actually interact with their listeners, right? The third use case that emerged is sometimes, you know, you don't want to record something extremely long and professional on some thought that you had midweek. Maybe it's not for your podcast, but you just want to put it out there. You know what I'm saying? It's it's not something that you want to take the entire, you know, hour yeah, expanding upon. And they have found that if they get a community built, their, their, their listener community on Swell, then... You know, that's a good way to have even those midweek thoughts out there, keeping their audience engaged, keeping them connected with what they're thinking, what's going on. It's just a better connection. Yeah, that's what was appealing to me. And when I did it myself for the first time, I just felt the urge and compelled to to use it because I just wanted to express myself. And it was a beautiful thing to have such heartfelt messages from strangers. And also, do you think that you will keep it at five minutes or or will you have a duration longer? So there is, uh, as we work more with our podcasting users, I think we will have to be a little flexible about this. But we first want to hear from them. So we are the kind of people who first wait to get a lot of feedback, right? So we don't want to jump into something. But for some users, I think the longer form is probably useful. I'm very interested in your story and your how you got into tech and as a leader in, in you know the tech world as a woman in Silicon Valley. You're originally from India, correct? Yes, that is correct. So uh, it's a long story. You want the long version, the short version? Sure. All right, the long version. So... I stumbled upon computers. So in my uh, seventh grade, uh, my school had this uh, after-school program. They had an external institute come and teach, uh, at that time, GW Basic. That was like a the initial starting programming language of those times. I was just kind of jobless. I said, hey, can I please take this after-school class, mom? She said, fine, go for it. And I, I signed up. There were like five of us who signed up for that class. It was like <laughs> nobody you know, knew what to even expect. <laughs> and I fell in love with with BASIC, right? It was phenomenal. It, so the school invested in a single PC. Nobody could afford a PC for themselves. The school had to invest. So the school invested in a single PC and uh, I, I fell in love. So then uh, I pursued it. So in those days, we had to pursue it through external institutes. There was no formal computer science in schools. So there were external teaching institutes that offered programs, you know, courses. And uh, I enrolled and that's how my my love for computer science uh, emerged. So uh, then I went on to do my bachelor's in computer engineering. It was just a journey from there. I was like, I knew this is what I wanted to do. I did that. I actually had a job offer when I graduated. I actually had a job offer from Hewlett Packard in India. And uh, I really was keen to join. And at that time, uh, my brother had 
just come back after his MBA in the US. He had done his MBA in Michigan and he had returned and he said, you know, it's worth doing a master's in the US. It's phenomenal. Uh, if you think you have learned X, you will learn, you know, exponential of X. Uh, if you if you do your master's, it's worth it. Take a couple of years, check it out. You will learn something. And he, so I said, okay, fine. If you If you're advising that, let me so I applied to a couple of, like, three schools. I couldn't afford to apply to more than three schools, frankly. So uh, I applied to three schools. I got one. I said, okay, <laughs> maybe <laughs> <laughs> it's meant to happen. So I got uh, Illinois Urbana-Champaign. Uh -huh. I was accepted into a master's program, and they were offering me a research assistance role to help pay for my tuition and whatnot. So I said, okay, maybe, you know. This is something I meant to do. And I did my master's. And um, just as I finished my master's, I got a job at Microsoft. So Microsoft had come in on campus to interview. And uh, I interviewed with them. And I was successful in you know, getting an offer. So that took me to uh, Redmond. So I was in Redmond for a year, year and a half. And then I moved to the Valley because some of my friends were moving here and they said, this is a happening place for tech. This is, you know, year 2000, right? This is when tech was booming. And I came here and then in a, less than a year, everything crashed, <laughs> right? This was the tech uh, 2001, yeah, when the, yeah, when the exactly. bubble burst. Exactly. Yes. So everything crashed. Like San Francisco was like a ghost town, right? Absolute ghost town. So at that time, uh, I was already married. So I said, my husband and I were like, we were weighing what 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 did we want to do? And our options at that time were either go join Google or start something on our own. And Google was in its infancy, right? It was like a couple of years, two, three years old, right? Kind of company. And so it was hiring. Even in the bust, Google was hiring. And so we were, <laughs> we were like, do we go join Google or we start something on our own? And we said, hey, we want to start something on our own. And that's that was the birth of our first company, actually. So we started when all tech was down and under. Uh, we started a mobile gaming company. Can you believe it? So you can imagine the games of those days, right? It's like the Atari yeah. games, right? Like you can just go straight up and straight left, right? Like, you know, keyboard arrow keys to play on those phones. So we had a lot of fun, uh, five years of developing games. And then that time I also did my MBA and uh, then we decided to morph. We said, hey, mobile gaming is... Uh, not something that we can do for a very long time. And uh, we wanted to actually, mobile was becoming big. So the iPhone had just come out. And we said, uh, we need to look at enterprise use cases. And we morphed into a mobile commerce platform. At our you know peak, we, we did uh, mobile commerce for many of the top retailers in the US. So Staples, Gap, Kohl's, a lot of retailers. If you, if you went to their websites on the mobile phone, you would be going through our platform. So uh, it was it was a fun journey, and then that's something that we did for several years, and then finally we exited. I read somewhere you, you sold the company to Emphasis. Yes, we sold it to Emphasis in 2015. And then from 2015, you and your husband, what were you doing until Swell? We continued to work in Scava for I was there till 2017, another couple more years. Uh, my husband was there another 
two more years after that. We basically had no other plans. Like Skava was our baby. We had done for 15, 17 years. We were in that company. And uh, we had no other plans for some time. But then as I got out and I started thinking, so like I said, my big passion was health and wellness. It's a, it's a personal passion, all right, that I have a lot of forms of natural health, healing, you know, lifestyle changes. I've done, I've made a ton of lifestyle changes to solve for a lot of chronic issues in myself, my family. I've seen others do it. So it's, it's something I'm very passionate about. I really wanted to start something towards that. And then when we looked at the entire problem of social media out there and how that was going to affect the mental health of our kids, we were so sure of the fact that it will affect the mental health of our kids because we couldn't, we, we didn't see any other, I mean, there was nothing else for, for teenagers. All they did was, you know, just look at the screens and then get immersed into whatever was the number one, you know, platform of that age, right? And all of it was so detrimental to their mental health. And there was no good place. And as parents, there's only so much we can tell our children, right? At the end of the day, they they are so influenced by what everybody else around them says and does. And so we wanted to really create a place that is a lot more, as we say, swell. <laughs> <laughs> is that how you came up with the title, swell? So it, it's a play on the word well. Okay. We wanted it to be a place to come in to be well. That's something that I'm very passionate about is mental health. I've had my own struggles with depression, anxiety, ADHD, and particularly with COVID, I've, I say this all the time, it's mental health has become, always been a crisis, but it's becoming an epidemic in itself. That is so true because I think much of what we see with the great resignation is a manifestation of what the pandemic did to them, right? Mentally, for them to say, look, I need a change. I need to be doing something else. This is just not what I need to be doing because it's not working out for me in whatever form or fashion, right? I I have seen, so while a lot of people talk about the great resignation actually being, you know, uh, something that is extremely tied to minimum wage, I have seen great resignation in in high-paying jobs, right? A lot of tech companies had so many people, you know, leave. And everybody looked back and said, the people who left, why did they leave? It is not that, uh, not, not everybody left for, you know, something better. Some people left for something different, right? They just took stock of what they were doing and said, this is not what I want to be doing for the next 20 years. It's not working out for me, right? I I have to find something else that is working out for me. And I think it's a huge reaction to people understanding that they need to take care of their mental health, first and foremost, in order to for everything else to make sense in their lives. For, for everything, I mean, you, otherwise all, all we seem to be doing all the time is we are stuck in a rat race, right? And we we don't seem to sit back and appreciate what we have and and all the good things we have. I mean, there's a reason I think, I believe Bhutan, Bhutanese are the happiest people. I think so. Some They're the happiest people on the planet. And if you look at their lifestyle and their way of life, I think there's a reason, right? There's a reason that they are the happiest. Yeah, there's a real glaring disparity and issue with the fact that, it, particularly in Western society, we are so siloed in our own bubbles and we are lacking community. 
severely. And that's what I love about Swell is that you're bringing people together for common themes, anything that they want to talk. You've got a mental wellness channel. What else, What are some of the other channels that you have? So uh, <laughs> there's, there's so many of them, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um, I, I'm just going to open up here and, and just pick up, you know, the popular stations. If you look at, you know, some of our most popular uh, stations out there, it's mental wealth, it's sorry, mental wellness, it's activism, fitness. A lot of people are about food and fitness. I think as part of healing themselves, a lot, there has been a lot of, I think, interest developed over the last several years in good food and, and physical fitness, right? We find uh, also uh, very interesting uh, conversations that are uh, related to uh, lifestyle, travel, there's there's LGBTQ LGBTQIA is a is a fascinating station. I think there is there are a lot of good conversations on a lot of good topics, and I I if if you are someone who's interested in you know whatever it is you're interested in, if you tune in, you will find excellent speakers and conversations. Yeah, you have a sports channel, crypto, uh, finance, all all kinds of stations. Exactly. There's pop culture. I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch. I mean, it's, it's really it's what your what your cup of tea is, right? And what 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 interests you? Yeah, absolutely. What's your vision with Swell in the upcoming one two years as far as growth? I mean, ultimately, I know we've talked about possibly changing the format to extend the length on some of the, the voice memos, but w- what other things? Do you have any other exciting news that you may want to share? Well, there are a whole bunch of features that are in the product roadmap that will keep coming, right? I mean, I believe currently in in about a month or so, uh, there are features coming out to help you have, you know, multiple drafts. So if you want to, you know, record something, work on it, and then post it, there are more creative ways to create your audio that's coming out, that's in our pipeline and whatnot. But I think the most important aspect we want to keep in mind as well is for the speaker, right? It's for someone who wants to come in and say what's on his mind or her mind and for them to be able to express their thoughts. And that's, we never want to lose sight of that. That's the core feature, right? For you to be able to express your thoughts and to be able to say what you want to say, where the conversation is easy, where the conversation is authentic, where the conversation is fun, right? This is this is what we want Swell to be. And so even two years from now, when you come in, we want to ensure that that stays true, that you come in, the conversation is easy, it's authentic, it's fun, and it helps you connect with other users. Because I can put in all the features I want, but this is something that's about the community. It's about people finding one another, people saying honest things about what's going on and what they're thinking about, and finding that true connection and the ability to talk to one another about whatever it is that they, you know, whether it's professional, whether it's personal, whatever it is that's on their mind, to be able to have an honest conversation on that. That's the great thing is it's uh, it's rather seamless. You know, I was a little apprehensive, but then I just took a leap of faith and then it was... It really was beautiful. I mean, I to receive messages from complete strangers that were very compassionate and heartfelt. 
and it brought me to tears. And it's ins- it's inspirational, quite frankly. Thank you. And and I think it will be for people that are like I said, mental health and wellness is a huge thing that I'm extremely passionate about. I talk about it all the time on my podcast. And people that are struggling out there, if even if they feel like they I think it's a great way to get out of your, you know, your your tunnel vision and your blinders. Just say whatever's comes to mind or, or what you're struggling with. And you'd be surprised who will come out and give you their insight and and, and inspire you and, and console you and, and make you. And then you can, like you said, there's uh, social activists. So if you're upset about what's going on politically, because there sure is a hell of a lot of things that are going on at the moment, you're allowed to speak your mind. And I think that it's a lot more compassionate from what I've what I can tell and how I've used it uh, compared to some like Twitter where people just using their thumbs to flick off whatever comes to mind. And it, and the feelings aren't, you just don't pick up on it. It's uh, it's, they're just words. Yes. And you, I have, I have used all those platforms for what more than a decade now. There's not one new connection that I've actually made, right? It's it's just the same people I have known outside of those platforms whom I've met and connected with, linked to in some sense, that I'm still in touch with. So those platforms have not helped me make new friends, actually form true connections. Whereas in Swell, I can genuinely say that as, as the more you come in, the more you talk and the more people speak back with you, you will find that there are these group of people whom, whom you connect with very well, right? And so you find yourself talking to them more and more and more. And before you know it, you have these friends, true friends, people you you speak with who speak back with you and genuine connections happen. And I think that is something that is so remarkable. And I find that's something I really cherish. Absolutely. What's it like as far as being a woman in leadership in tech and particularly as somebody who immigrated here from India? Was it challenging? I don't know if it's a, if it's a unique perspective, but it's a slightly different perspective. I believe if you don't view yourself differently, yes, then you won't find others viewing you differently. I may be completely off. I, I know this does not mean I have not been subject to some form of, you know, racist remarks here or there. Of course I have, I have seen it, but professionally, let's let's not talk about every, I'm not generalizing this in all aspects of everything, right? But professionally, I am a person who has a lot of confidence in what I can do. I, I don't claim to be able to do everything, but there are certain things that I do well that I'm very confident about, right? And I know what those things are. And so if somebody was to come and, and talk to me about those things. I can have a you know heated, good conversation, stand my ground, and and make my point. And I would be, hopefully, extremely convincing. When I founded my own company, again, it was it was me and my husband, and he's a very supportive man, right? So he's always a guy who's who's you know lifted me up in all things. So I think that goes a long way if you have a partner who respects you both, right, man and woman, or however, right, your your partner in life, 
if he or she were to genuinely respect you, it goes a long way in establishing your own self-respect. And so for me, that because I had genuine respect from my husband, who was my partner, and we both took on very complementary roles in the company, all right? So he headed sales and marketing, I headed tech in, in the company we founded. And I that was my forte, right? Tech was my forte. So we were able to, what shall I say, support each other very well. And I genuinely, I mean, I had, it, it was a workplace where there were, uh, I, I would say, a equal amount of men and women in the tech uh, department. And I never had any lack of respect from anybody under me because I think, again, it comes down to my passion and my 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 skill. I don't claim to know everything. So I have that humility when I talk to somebody who is very proficient in something that I'm not proficient in. And I'm willing to listen to whoever it is who's telling me, you know, this is how we need to do this because this is how this thing works. It is inspiring to hear that if you're passionate about something, you should follow it. I mean, that's what I'm doing right now, speaking to you. Exactly. Because you become very good at it. You become very good at it if you're passionate about it. Yes. And people can see that and feel it. And so it's easier to hone that craft exactly. Uh, as, as time goes on, if you are willing to make the sacrifices and have that perseverance and believe in what you're doing, exactly, because you can't fake that. People will read right through it, you know, if otherwise. And how do you feel about the tech industry as a whole? What's your take on it? I think it's a beautiful industry that has brought a lot of good in people's lives, right? It has made life a lot more streamlined, a lot more easy, convenient, but I think we're also reaching certain points where there are serious ethical questions that are emerging, right? I myself have quite a few swells on AI in, you know, in, in swell. And then I worry, I worry about the fact that, you know, and I, I, I think I'm not the only one. There are a lot of people in the Valley who worry about the ethics of some of the, you know, forefronts of research that we're doing, right? And what that can mean. What uh, so? What's some of? If you look at AI from an ethics perspective, I know there is also all this worries about job loss that happened in the industrial revolution. But I also worry about use of you know robotic soldiers. Wars become a lot more terrible, right? Because you no longer have to lose lives to wage war. There's there is there's a lot to think about, and not a lot of people actually spending time thinking about good policies to regulate and govern. And then there is a fear that, you know, some of what was envisioned in Terminator might actually emerge, right? Yeah, I was about to say that, but I, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, Terminator, all, all of them. Uh, that's, that's something that scares me. And even Elon Musk has been rather vocal about, in a sense, you know, he says that the phone has become an extension of us. And in a way, we are somewhat of a cyborg as is. And and because we're so connected, you know, we're tied to these things. Yes. But then when you when you go further, the whole thing about AI just blows my mind. And then that's one of the things about social media, how many, he says he's going to get rid of all the bots on Twitter and I hope he does, but I don't know how he can do that because it's, there's been such an influx 
coming from everywhere. I mean, do you, do you see that as a possibility? If you look at the level of effort that's gone into creating deep fakes, right? So we're not talking about, you know, simplistic bots anymore. There are these personas that are created that look genuine, that are genuine. And it's, uh, I mean, deep fake technology is becoming, becoming more and more, real, you know, difficult to, to identify. I think it's a it's a challenge. I don't believe that. Um, see, when this this is the way the world operates, right? Let's say Twitter goes and spends a lot of money in research on identifying bots, deep fakes, and whatnot, right? There is going to be an equal amount of money and research spent into subverting its algorithm, right? Because there are governments behind those deep fakes. We are not talking about individuals. It's not some marketing agency. There are governments. We're talking, you know, unlimited resources, literally, that have spent, you know, a lot of effort into creating these personas in order to be able to spread disinformation on on the platform. And they're not in there saying, oh, Elon Musk is in, so I'm going to get out. No. <laughs> <laughs> So I think that while his uh, ambitions are uh, are commendable, it's going to be a challenge. And some of the, the actors on the other side are there to stay for a very long time. The other, yeah, and I wanted your thoughts on this. The other glaring issue is when you saw Mark Zuckerberg, when he had to deal with Congress and all that, you saw how clueless politicians were about technology. <laughs> and so there's a huge glaring gap between what's actually going on and the public knowing, A, the both the, the progress and the scary byproducts and things that or, or how we can be victims of this. I think there is a, I think Musk uh, mentioned this a few weeks ago. He said that, you know, lawmakers need to be between the age of 30 and 60 kind of thing to be more in touch with, you know, the, the and, news and then, yeah. that's coming out there. And I think that there is some value to that, that we need more young blood in policy making who understand this, who grew up with this in some sense, right? And uh, unfortunately, for whatever reason, we don't seem to be electing that kind of young blood into, into policy-making roles, or maybe they're not standing for those roles. I don't know what, what, the, what the issues are, but you are right that there is a lot of disconnect. And I have also found personally, because... Uh, Look, when we did mobile commerce, there was a lot of emphasis given to, you know, card and personal, you know, your PCI data, your, your card information data and how we have to store it. And when we work with medical practitioners, HIPAA and how you have to, you know. So if you look at much of uh, what's out there, some of the strictest standards actually came from the EU, not from the US. Right. It was the EU that got their act together on digital privacy before the US are you more hopeful or more Terminator apprehensive? I think unless we elect 
uh, it, it really depends on who is standing and whom we are electing, right? If you look at all the conversations out there, they're not about tech. All the conversations seem to be about, you know, issues that that were, you know, top of newspaper in 1900s, right? There is no 2020 conversation happening in politics. I mean, 2020, if we look at, I think, 1910 headlines or something like that, or 1900 headlines, it seems to me that we are going backwards in time in the types of issues that we are we are still fighting about, rather than talking about you know cyber security, cyber threat. I mean, quantum is coming to life. There is a conversation there on Swell with uh, Steve Wozniak, right? And I actually asked him, "What do you aren't you afraid of quantum? Because quantum can break encryption very easily. All your banking and everything that you think is secure can easily be broken if quantum computers were to actually emerge. And they are emerging in in about a decade or so. They're going to be there because it's going to be so much more easier to decrypt. People have to move towards using those newer types of encryption. It's a process. But nobody's talking about the fact that quantum is coming out in full force in a few years. And that's going to break encryption as we have today. And we need to move to different standards and everybody needs to do that. Governments need to do that. Banks need to do that. Are they? We don't know. Is anybody taking this seriously? And so we don't have these conversations happening. Instead, we are sitting and talking about rights that were established 50 years ago and 100 years ago, right? We're not talking about what's going to happen 10 years from now. For instance, AI and Facebook. During the past two elections, obviously people are, they're able to steer fear, anger, and and hatred through these. Do you see that changing and and making progress where we can prevent those things from happening? Because that's why there's so much polarization, in my opinion. People are just looking at it in one lens like people did in the beginning of the 20th century where they had their own newspaper for their own beliefs. And they're not listening to other people's perspectives. Going back to Swell, at least you know, okay, that's a real, that's a real opinion, and that's a real perspective within the industry. What's your take on that? Look, there are going to be a lot of good uses of AI, right, for which we have to appreciate, including hopefully detecting some of the deepest of deep fakes. So, for example, AI was used, this was just a news article I read a few days ago, students at UT Austin used AI to help detect a certain type of bacteria that can break down plastic in hours. It's considered revolutionary because to be able to break down plastic in hours to its original compounds is something that can completely help us, you know, go backwards on the climate pollution that's happening. So there are a lot of good uses of AI that I think are going to emerge. But for me, there is always this nagging worry at the back of my hand. It's like quantum, right? Quantum will have a lot of good uses emerge. But then there's this worry at the back of my head where are policymakers ready for this? And do they have the right policies in place? Otherwise, what will happen is we will also find the negative uses emerging. We will suffer through it. And then policy will be in hindsight. And it will be after the fact. Take stem cell research as an example. George W. Bush made it a point saying, hey, I want to come in front of this research and say this research can only be used for X, Y, and Z. and should not be used for A, B, and C. Whether right or wrong, 
He said, I see, you know, ethical issues coming from this, emerging from this, and I want to address this before it emerges, right or wrong. Like, like cloning and so forth. Like cloning, human cloning. You cannot do human cloning if you were to do this kind of research and so on. There are ethical issues. So I think the same should be said of the world of AI and the world of tech. There are certain things that we dabble with that will have immense benefits, but have to be looked at also within ethical lens and saying there are certain things as companies we should not do. But I don't believe anybody has taken leadership on that charge yet. Until we have a younger generation take leadership in dealing with these domestic policies that we're talking about, I really think that it's going to just hit us in the face. And that's a concern of mine. Do you think you will, as far as the voice memo, we've talked about that, but what about video? Will you add that? Is that something on the horizon? Not in the near future, because we want it to be about voices. We don't want, again, we feel there's a lot of pressure to look nice the minute you you add the video to That's it. Correct. Right. And th- this is all about honest conversation. We don't care whether you're sitting on your bed, you're sitting on your sofa, you're taking a walk, whatever it is that you're doing, you don't have to share your environment with us. This is about your thoughts. So it's where you come to share your thoughts, to speak what's on your mind. And that's what we want it to be about. Yeah. Again, I'll go back to my example. I was just standing outside with birds chirping, teary-eyed, but I didn't, that was the point is I didn't really care what I looked like, but I was able to convey what was on my mind and what I wanted to share. That's the true purpose. The true purpose is, this is where the conversation starts, right? Come to speak and really share what's on your mind. Really connect with people. That's that's the heart of it. Basically, that's the real heart of it, right? It's that simple. When you hear a person's voice and you hear whether they're upset or how concerned they are, exactly. as opposed to if you're just looking, think about it. If you're a politician and you're looking at Twitter and it's just a bunch of negative or positive, then you're, you're still in your... You're siloed and you've got your blinders on and you can't really hear what what people's true sentiment. That is actually very, very true. And you've given me something to think about. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I love it. Do you want to try to do a... Sure. Why don't, you, why don't you post as well and I will send you a reply. Okay. So I just will set up one. It says start as well. I'll title it. Uh, conversation with Suda. Yeah. What type of hashtags? <laughs> Should I put it really swell was our hash swell talk. Okay, we'll do that, and then I'll put a photo of my logo for the podcast. How's that? Does that work with you? For yeah. you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I'm just gonna post it. I'm at Tom Hartridge. And then I'll, so I'll I just say, uh, huh? Sounds good. I will reply. I'll, I'll, I'll just let it rip. Yeah. Hey, Suda, I've really enjoyed speaking with you. I love Swell, and I'm very passionate about the possibilities of how this can change the tone and really progress, hopefully, because social media has become very polarizing. And the great thing about we need to go back to the basics that we've discussed. The voice is a very powerful thing and words through text can be misconstrued. And that's what I love about your product so much. And uh, here we go. <laughs> and then you are Suda 
right? If I want to send it directly to you. Yep. What is your handle? At Suda. Just Suda? Okay. Yep. Gotcha. And it says select one station, Swell Interviews. We'll do that. Okay. I posted it. <laughs> right. Or it's posting. I am going to reply to you, Tom, since I've already listened to you. Tom, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me today. I really enjoyed it. And I am so happy to hear that Swell has been a meaningful place for you to come and share your passion on uh, mental wellness. It's a, it's a journey that started with wellness in mind. I wanted to bring people together to truly connect because what I have seen in social media platforms is that it really doesn't bring people together. It only polarizes people because we haven't you know, evolved as, as people to connect with text and pretty pics. We have actually evolved as a society to come together with voice. Voice is what is authentic and meaningful to us in forming connections. It's the emotion we hear when we talk to one another that actually connects us. And so I hope that, you know, Swell is a great place for you to find that type of experience, to meet new people, to make new connections and uh, share your thoughts. So thank you and uh, welcome. It's very easy to use. And I'm so glad that Deborah reached out to me at South by because I see so much value in the voice, the human voice. Thank you, Tom. And, and I hope that, you know, you will come more frequently and oh, yeah. share your thoughts, bring your listeners, because it's really meaningful to us to, to tell people it's important that we connect to one another. I mean, we listen to each other on podcasts, but then if we can also talk to one another, share ideas, share thoughts, goes a long way, I think, in, helping us feel happier. Absolutely. And I want to use it as a tool to interact with my audience and, and get, get their insights and what they, you know, potential guests, topics that they, they want me to, to cover and feature in the future. No, that'll be awesome. Thank you. Well, Suda, I can't thank you enough. And I could talk to you for a, a lot longer, but I really appreciate the time. And I look forward to using your apps well and getting the word out to help it grow. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. And thank you. I really appreciated you taking the time to do this. It was really nice talking to you. So thank you. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for joining today's modified approach to releasing Neurons to Nirvana podcast. It has been a pleasure to collaborate with Deborah and Suda from Swell on ideas and ways to connect with my podcast listeners and people in general. My episodes release every Thursday, and I will continue to host conversations on artistry, humanity, innovation, mental health, and social justice. Thank you for listening, and until next time, this is Neurons to Nirvana. Nirvana.